Futuramic design means styling with a purpose. Introducing the all-new Hoverboard, the scooter of the future. Sharper Image Wheelie Razor is the hottest thing on two wheels. Now, what does it do? This is the world's first self-balancing human transport. Electric scooters speeding down roads and sidewalks. San Francisco streets bustle with activity. Cars, walkers, bicyclists, and now scooters, all sharing the same roadways. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Chase from Rider Guide, and I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Somerville. Our saying is, we know electric rides, your guide to a micromobility future. This podcast is on all things micro EVs, bringing weekly episodes with the hottest companies in the world, deep dives on big news, and really anything else that's interesting. A few weeks ago, we got to sit down with Mac, the CEO of Apollo Scooters, and also the CTO, Elwa. They've had two huge launches recently. The Apollo Phantom V3, the third major iteration to their famous line that debuted two years ago. And we also have the Apollo Pro, which is widely regarded as one of the most innovative and aspirational scooters to ever come to the scene. For this episode, we've got an amazing giveaway. So you'll hear more details if you, you listen on that. So definitely enter that. You've got a great chance of winning, and the prize is pretty awesome. So we're standing on the on the verge of uh, launching the Phantom V3, which we're very excited about. And um, and this is an, an unusual scooter because it was like, you know, we went through three versions, and you kind of brought everybody along with, with you uh, as you changed through the versions. Um, so how did that how did was that something you saw coming from the beginning that you would go evolve from one and two and three and and, and upgrade people as you went uh no no i think uh, it's it's not something we planned from the start um and I, i'm just looking at the youtube like the keynote that we released and it's only been two years since the first uh, the first phantom in january 2021 so it's crazy thing that we're already at uh, the v3 mm -hmm. uh, but no we, we we never planned that far in advance or at least and I never planned for it to be um, like retro compatible like we are doing for the V2 or the V3, uh, but I'm glad that we were able to pull it off. Yeah, so something that we've gotten a lot from our community too was just this notion of uh, people buying in early and then sort of realizing that they're actually paving the way forward for, for everyone else who's to come. And we, we always thought that, you know, those early risk takers, if you will, should be rewarded. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, rather than kind of getting the, the prototype or, or something that's that's relatively untested. We wanted to make sure that that we're able to offer something that's a bit more future proof. So like I said, we never planned on it. But the second that opportunity appeared in front of us, we, we wanted to make sure that we could um, give back to our community and really um, kind of confirm our our commitment to the Apollo Apollo Fun Club. Was, was there a lot of adoption from I mean, what percentage uh, or can you say uh, what percentage of the V1 owners went to V2 and V2 owners? Well, I guess we don't know yet of V2 to V3 because it's still early days. Yeah, I think I think in terms of upgrade kits, we can we can probably get a better sense of uh, the V2 owners that upgraded to the V3. Um, mm -hmm. My quick math tells me it's something like 25, 30 percent. I don't know if that sounds about right to you. Mm -hmm. I think a bit more because the V1 to the V2, more. like it was drastic that changed. Well, just like the V2 mm -hmm. to the V3, but uh, the, so far there seemed to be more adopter from the V1 to the V2, and the kit was also cheaper for that upgrade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then what what really changed uh, between the generations? 
Yeah, I guess uh, to, to your question, if like we plan for it, like the technology that we're putting in the V3 now for the Phantom didn't even exist when we launched the V1. So mm -hmm. definitely it, it wasn't planned, like the region and even the app and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so between the, the V1 and the V2, it was small upgrade. We had like the, the kickstand that we replaced from aluminum to a steel because mm -hmm. it was bending. Uh, the display was also um, brighter, but also the refresh rate was higher. So instead of being a little bit laggy, it was smoother. Uh, the throttle, uh, the throttle that we upgraded, we switched from a key ignition to just a regular throttle, um, and the plastic cover to have a better fit on the deck. Um, and we added like a small latch for this uh, folding mechanism. So all minimal improvement, um, like quality of life, I guess. Um, and for the v3 it's like day and night compared to this right mm -hmm. we we went so for the v2 it's because we didn't have i guess the knowledge yet of like how to make a proper controller we we started knowing how and like there's a couple of video on youtube of us like playing with it but um the, for the v3 that's when i think yeah, the biggest change uh, came like yeah, we changed the whole brain of the scooter and that allowed us to do well everything that the v3 is doing like the app compatibility the region mm -hmm. um the smooth acceleration the detection of the motor the new display as well uh, with our new custom throttles now finally um so uh, as, as i say and this all brings to mind you know that you wouldn't have any of this control if you hadn't made the phantom from scratch i mean it is your scooter so you have you know if you want to change the throttle and it also belongs to 500 you know other models of scooter you can't have just change it you know because these other scooters also use that but because you you know own this design and created this design it gives you the ability to to just really take control and and change kind of anything you want which is to me is like one of the things that makes apollo apollo these days is is that you have you know total control over your design yeah i guess uh, that's a good good point but like we need to say that for for the phantom our the design was ours, right? But we were still using like some o OEM part, like the display sure. it was ours, but like the, the throttle, it was still like a five star one, which uh, it's an OEM brand, the mm -hmm. brake and all as well. And that's, I think, the biggest shift that you probably mm -hmm. experience when you unbox the Pro, for example, that now you mm -hmm. see that everything is custom, every single mm -hmm. component. But more and more as you evolved from V1, V2, V3, more and more of the Phantom became proprietary Apollo parts though, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, and so I that's what I'm seeing and I'm feeling is in, you know, that quality, uh, because you have control over all those, you know, mm -hmm. every time I see a new yeah. part. Well, one thing, one thing to add as well is, uh, and I don't think we've actually ever shared this publicly, but you know, in the early days, Apollo was just purely a distribution company. And, mm -hmm. and we were, you know, as, as you guys would know, because you're the ones who reviewed some of the original, uh, Apollo pros, Apollo lights, Apollo explorers, those were all Sandra's products that we were, uh, rebranding and, and really just focusing on doing a good job of distributing in North America. Um, but, but really where, where we sort of ran into issues was, well, we, we realized that there was not much, um, there was not much overlap between the designers that were, that were developing these products and really the, the customers that were using those products. And there was a big gap in fact, that existed between people who were responsible for making product decisions and people who were ultimately mm. living the, the, the results of those decisions. Um, and, and initially how the phantom got started is we, we simply approached one of the factory owners and we said listen like we want to do something different um would you be open to working with us and you know back then we had no experience developing new products it was it was a complete uh gamble uh but we knew that we wanted to to try and change how things were it in the e-scooter industry um and, and i think that's part of the reason why the phantom you know has improved so much because with each one of the iterations we've also learned more and more about product development like you said more and more parts became proprietary and ultimately we realized that Initially, our, our, our 
thinking process when it comes to innovation was really hardware oriented. And right now it's almost exclusively software and feature oriented and, and hardware becomes almost a, an afterthought. Um, maybe not an afterthought, but it becomes a, a question of, you know, what are the form factors that we need to just check off? And then, well, how about everything else that comes with that? You know, and, and I'm sure Elva can get much more into, you know, what it takes to make a region break or how do you do a phone as display or how do you, you know, create personalized experiences while writing uh, through the software. Um, and, and the, the hardware just becomes a mere vehicle for that experience. Cool. Yeah, I, I think with the, the Phantom, I, I really am impacted by the usability and the thought of how the vehicle interacts with the human. Uh, it's just those details like throttles and stuff, that's, that's really in one of the main contacts and main ways that the customer experiences the product. And so I think for someone coming outside of the scooter industry, being like, why are they making such a big deal about this brake or this throttle or mm -hmm. a display or whatever? But like that, that's really huge. And when I was, when I was riding and comparing all the different scooters, cause I'm not in the Bay area. So when I was there, I had to try out all of them, but you really feel the deck and, and all the subtle attention to details. I love how you emphasized how you saw a gap prior to the Phantom of the connection between the people making the scooter and the end user. And that's something amazing that I, I love uh, in, in the gap that you're filling. So I guess one question I have is as you've seen the Apollo or the Phantom line evolve over time, what have been some of the changes that were most difficult and like most rewarding to the line? Specifically on the Phantom? Yeah, on the Phantom, yeah. The first one is obviously the, the neck, <laughs> upgrading the neck of the scooter <laughs> to be stronger um, because we had our we had our challenges with the neck at first. Um, so obviously this one uh, would be the, the first one. Um, but uh, I think it's the one that had the biggest impact, I think, on this, the whole community and myself and even Apollo as a brand is, uh, is a new controller. It's a Mac One controller because it's like people realize just how much uh, important is a controller inside the scooter and like how it can change the whole vibe of the scooter when you ride it. Mm -hmm. You pass from something like a, that is a little bit jerky sometimes because of the just the power that you have from this beast. Uh, and now you, you feel comfortable letting a, your kid ride it, you know, even in Luda mode. It's so like, it's so intuitive. And like Chuck said before, from, from an electric scooter guy, that it's like really, it's like playing a video game when you, you play with those two tons. And yeah, for me, it's, it's renewing the old experience of the scooter. Um, so I would say the controller. Yeah. And it, and it was, I just feel like it's such an important uh, direction, change of direction for a long, for a long time. It was just like, you know, even now the things that get the headlines and the videos are like, you know, top speed and just, you know, raw power and, but really to live with and, and to ride long-term it's, it's, you know, rideability, ergonomics and longevity, or is just like, so, you know, are so important. And it's like, I can just see in each of the changes that you guys are making that all of those things are, you know, improving and, um, and we'll get into the pro in a minute, the Apollo pro, but, but that just, it kind of blows my mind when I look at the sort of longevity impact of some of the, the changes that you guys have made there. And, um, yeah, and, and that's exactly what I was trying to, to allude to before Paul as well, you know, that mindset shift from specs towards features. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because really what, what it enables us to do is, is all of a sudden we're not talking about kilometers or, or miles per hour. We're talking about jobs to be done, right? Mm -hmm, what, mm -hmm. what is it that I, the user, the, the rider need the scooter to do for my life? Mm -hmm. Is it, uh, be robust and reliable enough that I don't have to worry about servicing 
well, think about uh, self-healing tires, for example, think about regen brakes, right? Like they seem like fairly secondary features, but mm -hmm. actually when you start thinking about them from a, from the perspective of, well, does it extend the lifespan of the product? It has dramatically positive impact on it. So, um, so, so there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes that will really make the scooters last much longer, uh, which in turn actually you know, translates into business benefits because that means less servicing, less support requests. So obviously we're, we're trying to uh, kind of make it a better experience for our customers as well as um, make it a more manageable support experience for, for our team. Um, but but all to say, uh, really features are, are the name of the game for us moving forward. And uh, and I think I was done an amazing job uh, kind of understanding, well, what is the one thing that enables these magical features? And uh, the answer from the very beginning was, was the proprietary controller. Yeah. And so wrapping up, kind of talk about the Phantom and, and getting to the pro. So just kind of asking the questions that everybody's wondering about, which is our job. So first, what's going on with the 60 volt? Is there a V4? You know, it's like, I know that that's, that's another thing when you have upgrade kits is it creates these more complicated decisions for customers because they have two different ways to get the new one. Um, yeah, so no 60 volt for now. We, we did it and we sent like upgrade kits to a customer. Like it, it's working and it's the same controller. It's a Mac one, but with a 60 volt version. Um, it's just, I think like we just described, we are not really chasing those like high speed and high numbers anymore. And the 52 volt can almost reach this, almost reach the speed depend who's testing it <laughs> of the 60 volt V2 that we had. Um, so yeah, I think it's good enough. And on our side, it's, I think the Phantom was built for, for 52 volt, more than 60 volt. Uh, and mm. like, it just me personally, I feel more, um, reassured, I guess, safe to have like, to know people, they have the 52 volt, the power is there. They have all the features that are, is already better than anything else on the market pretty much. Um, so no, there won't be a 60 volt for now. And for people mm. chasing those high speed, again, I think you go fast enough with the 52 or, mm. Yeah, and then but so for those who have purchased a sixty volt uh, V two already, right. is, is the V three a released product for them? Uh, the V three upgrade kit. So the only way to make a sixty volt that was uh, working with the V three is that you need the controller to stick out uh, to cool down. We mm -hmm. we put it in the deck with the sixty volt with like Matunga for example, the video we post on YouTube, mm, okay. and uh, we had to install a fan in it because uh, it was overheating way too uh, fast. Okay. Okay, so it makes sense. So no, so the yeah V three upgrade will not be a not going to be a release product for for existing v, uh, sixty volt scooters. No, we're still okay. testing, but yeah, but it's it's not looking makes sense at this time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And for others like wondering about the future of the Phantom line, what what is that future? Is there a V four? Is there something else? Uh, yeah, I so, <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead. Uh, yeah, the, the future is, is quite simple for the Apollo portfolio um, on the surface and then really, really complex underneath <laughs> that surface for Elwa mm. and, and his R&D team. Um, but really, we believe that that there will be three main uh, form factors when it comes to scooters, uh, maybe not form factors, but but size uh, categories when it comes to scooters that will mm. allow us to, to really uh, make scooters widespread and, and common. Um, so our vision is to consolidate the whole portfolio just down to three products. And then really play on the on the software and the customization and the personalization of the experience to be able to take the same product and really make it both a performance product or a commuter product or a recreational product depending on, on who the user is. Um, but uh, the pro, as as we'll get into in a second, I'm sure, is really the the, the top of that pyramid. And um, and we're working on you know taking some of these amazing features that Loa developed and finding ways to to massify them into uh, scooters that are more affordable and more portable down the road as well. 
Mm. Okay, as a former product manager, I, I've, I've got to stand up for a minute and just clap for that idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I mean, so uh, I used to manage uh, product manage lasers, and the product proliferation is the death of all of the other products. It just dilutes your attention. It's mm-hmm. you can't make twenty good scooters. You know, it's you can make, you know, three amazing scooters and there are um, brands which everybody knows, which shall not be named Dualtron, um, that uh, (laughs) that just have too many scooters, segue. Um, And uh, like, how do you make that many good products? Anyway. I'll keep short, but, but well, you know, Paul, it's, it's, it's scooters are just the tip of the iceberg, right? Because then you have to have 20 manuals. You have to have 20 sets of spare parts. Yeah. You have to be able to train your whole team on how to repair it and, and talk about 20 products. And for us, we, you know, we're, we're not an externally backed company. We, we have limited resources. We need to make sure that we stay focused on what really counts. And for us, that, that means consolidating our, our resources into three products that we truly, uh, truly believe in. Um, so we're, we're really excited to share more about the uh, upcoming Explorer and Lights as well. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, so so someone who wants a Phantom, so you're saying kind of like now's the time to get it. It's going to be a while before there's a true replacement of the jobs to be done of the Phantom. Yeah, yeah so for much, all I the think, existing yeah. parts. I was going to say, Go I think that the Pro, like if you want to upgrade from the Phantom, not just replace it, I think the Pro is would make sense. It's more expensive, but it's kind of that like off-road, great suspension with great performance. So I think that would be a great replacement. But uh, yeah, I think now if... Now that's the time to get the Phantom if you want yeah. uh, that form okay. format, so, this exact scooter. Yeah. So yeah, so so let's talk about the Pro. Um, this is we've just got our hands on one, and uh, it's the first time I've given a you know well a, a, given a standing ovation for <laughs> for for my first ride on a scooter, um, and it's just amazing. Like it's nothing we it's like nothing we've ever seen before, and and I guess part of that is it's just evidence of that it's a something you guys just designed from the ground up. How long has this been in the making? Uh, by the time it's going to be released, uh, like available to the public, it's going to be two years and a half. And uh, mm-hmm. we started uh, working on it before the air 2021. Wow. So uh, <laughs> it's been yeah. a while. Yeah. And it's just, there are so many, we'll get to them, but there are just so many like brave and unusual choices. Uh, that must have happened to make this scooter uh, because uh, like almost nothing about it is obvious. And, but then when you start digging into it, you can see exactly why you did what you did. And the theme I'm seeing, but before I'll kind of spoiler alert, uh, the theme I'm seeing is, is like rideability and reliability, um, you know, all the yeah. way through, which is another brave choice in itself because the obvious choice is just speed, right? You want everybody's attention. You just like, ah, lots of speed, but, but, for experience, you know, to really own the thing. Yeah. Rideability and reliability. It's, um, yeah, that's where it's at. But anyway, I just tell us about how, I don't know how, how it came to be, how, where did you start when you're, <laughs> yeah, you started, start <laughs> started from uh, a really simple emotion, which was frustration, <laughs> a lot of frustration with everything <laughs> we had, or even like the competition. Um, there, there was always something like the full day mechanics was not good enough for the throttle mm-hmm. or the, you know, mm-hmm. we were selling Mercane back then. And I remember there was such a high delay with the throttle. You could press mm-hmm. count mm-hmm. three seconds and then it was going. <laughs> it, it was ridiculous. And like all those small things, you know, I was the one answering the customer trying to explain why it's like this. So it was bubbling up <laughs> yeah. all this uh, frustration. So uh, Mac told me, well, just do something that is going to, I guess, fix all of this and 
we don't care about the price. We don't care about the time that it's going to take. It just needs to be the best quality with everything you think is going to be right. And that's how it started. Uh, and at first, the Pro, we started it as a replacement for the Explorer. It was supposed mm. to be a single motor, like a 1,200 watt. Um, mm -hmm. That's how it started. And the first prototype, if you look on YouTube, it's really more like this. You have a single motor at the back, uh, and it's uh, more skinny to the ports. Um, but as we we went, like the price was getting higher, and we see, we saw that we could fit like bigger batteries, bigger motors. So we switched mm -hmm. to dual motor, and it became what it is now. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and and to jump in on that, it's it's interesting, uh, you know, what I alluded to, which is which is this notion of no constraints, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think in many cases, uh, product development is is from the very beginning constrained by by budgets, by timelines, and we kind of said, uh, you know, we're so sick and tired of seeing what the industry has to offer. Let's let's see if we can develop something truly unique and and proprietary, and hope that people will be willing to pay for it. So we can get into the pricing discussion in, in a bit as well, but you know, the, the price is really not a reflection of our, you know, quadrupling margins. Our margins are consistent across the whole lineup. Uh, it's really just a function of, of the investment in quality. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's an important point to make. Like all our scooters are never designed from, I think usually if you look, Dualtron is a good example. People start with the engineers, uh, with like the spec that they need and everything. And then they work on the design after with all our scooters. We always start from the design and then we fight with the engineer to see, to make it happen. But that's the like crucial difference between us and the other company. And you can see it in the product at the end. Mm -hmm. And in one of the most unusual design decisions of all is to use the uh, a phone as a display. How did how did that come about? Uh, it's the it's actually from the old display. Uh, we just realized that I'm, I'm never going to be able to make a display as good as a phone. Uh, mm -hmm. Apple are killing themselves to make a great phone and display every year or Samsung for people who are real like that. Um, so it came, uh, it came from this, uh, all the display back then it was again, the Phantom V1. Uh, we didn't know how to make one like without reflection or even when we launched it, it was like, oh, I would like to change those small things about it. And it's impossible. The molds are open. You produce 5,000 piece, so you can't do anything compared to a phone. Well, you have full control on the UI and you can just push an update of the mobile app, for example to have a completely new dashboard and you can offer a different type of dashboard. So the customer can really customize it to what he wants. Hmm. Uh, so that that's, was the main uh, thinking. That's, yeah. that's, I love that. Yeah, you're not locked in because your traditional displays, you're kind of burning in the features. So you see that like when you key on a car, like all the lights light up and those are the lights you're going to mm -hmm. have for your, the rest of your life. And same thing in a scooter, you key on and, and all the features light up and then disappear. And it shows you, you know, th there are only certain things that it can display where the phone, of course, uh, yeah, your interface can change, can evolve over time. And then for anybody yeah, who hasn't yeah. seen it yet, uh, the display uh, or the, the way that the phone mounts to the um, to the Apollo Pro is with a, a quad lock case. And you've got your little lock here and it just goes on and twists. And now your phone is mounted that fast uh, to the scooter, which is pretty cool. And it's charging too. Oh, right. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. So it's, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's wireless charging as soon as you, as soon as you mount it. And you then... Know, and it's, it's yeah, I was just going to jump in, Paul, and say, you know, it's 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 kind of interesting because it's it's a win-win situation in that we we are able to give customers a very um, obvious incentive to use the phone while riding, right? Mm -hmm. Which is uh, which is that it's going to be charging while you ride, mm -hmm. and simultaneously the benefits that the customers get from that ride are are incredible. Um, like Alwa said, we'll never be able to we'll never be limited by what the display can do, um, and and for us this notion of um, how do we continue to deliver value once the scooter has been sold uh, was something that that stuck with us for a while, you know, and. 
obviously if you have a pre-burnt display a, a, a mold that's that's refining uh, that, that's that's limiting you there's only so much you can do but with this and we're already seeing it with the over-the-air updates that we're pushing today you know we're able to um increase speeds you know reduce speeds we're able to push new ux ui i was working on a really cool uh, kind of social feed uh feature as well that's going to be present in the app so you're going to be able to go on group rides with your with your fellow riders so there's a lot of value that we can continue to deliver to customers even once the product has been sold we hope you've been enjoying this interview with Apollo. Uh, just wanted to let you know really quick about that giveaway that we mentioned. It's a really great one. We've known Apollo for quite a while. They're friends of Rider Guide, and so they've put together a really generous giveaway to celebrate the launch of the podcast and also the launch of the Apollo Pro and Apollo, Fan Apollo Phantom V3. So check the link in the description, and it's very easy to enter, and you can win a $500 Apollo gift card. So. Maybe, maybe pause and go do that right now. I don't know. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Yeah, and so with building a software team, what's the high level of kind of going from custom phantom to now building your own software? And just wh where is that, I guess, especially today with respect to what features are available and for which uh, product lines? Well, building a software team is very hard. It's harder than what I was expecting. And we always started by working with agency and bring bring the development in-house, uh, which is what we were doing. And it's going to be hopefully finalized at three today with the last <laughs> interview. Um, it's really hard. And the, we are always working with China as well. They are the one producing the, the SDK, the controller, right? So it's always a, a challenge to work with them for obvious reasons, just like a, it's a different um, language, uh, the time difference, and they built like their SDK for other customers as well. So to get our own thing always adapted to us, it's, well, it's either you pay or you do it yourself. Um, so yeah, it's been quite a journey, uh, but I'm happy now. Um, you know, with the app, we have like, we had our fair share of struggle um, with the, the amount of crash we had or when we launched a CD, which was really the first scooter that you could play a lot with all the features. Could with the Air, but the CD even more. Um, we saw there was a lot of crash, honestly, a lot of bugs. Uh, and now we are finally over this and we are at like 95% crash-free user. So that's pretty good. It's uh, mm -hmm. respectable. Um, so really glad of the team. And now we have like a extremely strong foundation and like UI and UX, a great designer, just like for the hardware, now for the software, uh, for the project management, the development as well. Like the developers are as implicated as I am for the hardware, but for the software, they just never stop. So it's great to see that uh, culture of uh, mm. being so excited about the product in the software as well. Uh, so I think uh, yeah. The new features that we're going to be releasing soon, people are going to understand just how deep we're going to go. My check mentioned a little bit the, the social aspect, um, and there's a lot more to come. Mm -hmm. And I feel yeah, like one, that's one kind of... Jump in as oh, well. you, you go. Sorry, I was just going to add, Chase, uh, one more thing, which is that, um, you know, right now, uh, so software is something that we're realizing the value of as we go along. Um, and what I mean by that is it's, it's sort of a door that continues to open more doors as we deploy and develop more features. And, and an amazing example of that was, you know, when we had uh, a bit of a safety concern last year um, and we were able to uh, leverage the app to either reduce the speed of a bunch of uh, customers that are specifically affected by that safety concern or even send a, a notification to let them know that something's going on, um, you know, versus you compare that to sort of a, any other competitor, let's say a Cabo or something, which, you know, doesn't have the app enabled uh, capability. And you have to sort of go through a very manual process of figuring out who is in which batch. You're going to call them, you're going to email them. So 
it just totally changes the dynamic of how we support our products too. And um, we can get into features like the smart BMS as well on the pro, which, you know, just basically take the diagnosis of the problem out of the question. And it's, it's in many able, it's in many cases able to essentially just diagnose the problem and then guide the user through a resolution process without any interaction with CX, which is pretty, pretty fascinating. So while on the one hand, we're of course working really hard to minimize uh, the amount of issues that users will, will experience by investing in product reliability and quality. Um, and I think that should be a point that we come back to uh, in a bit. Uh, simultaneously, we're investing in the infrastructure that supports our customers when they, when they need that support the most. Yeah. And so what's natural to kind of talk about next with all of this is kind of defending the $4,000 price tag, you know, and what all does a customer receive when they buy into that? I guess uh, I'll answer that. The, the, there's a lot of features uh, like the, the IoT, the GPS. I think we're going to be the first scooter uh, company, at least in North America, that it's going to have GPS localization uh, inside the scooter. Um, definitely the cleanest solution, too. With like, you usually have the Segway with the plastic box. For us, it's like invisible. Mm -hmm. That's a brag. Uh, the wireless charging with the quadlock integration, that's also pretty cool. Um, we have fast charger by default that comes with the scooter. Usually, you buy this for an extra like 150. comes by default with the Pro. Uh, obviously, the unibody design, that's where the big part of the cost is coming. Again, the neck, the body, the rear footrest is all part of, it's a one piece basically. Mm. Um, and that's how we achieve the like no screw, no wires. It's all inside or welded or just big, big mold. Uh, and the price for those parts and the mold are, are ridiculous. It's, it's on the chart. Um, so you get that, which translates into just a super strong frame. Um, and that's why we can accommodate really heavy riders. Um, you have hydraulic suspension, uh, the best battery too, the Samsung 21700. Again, this is what they put in electric cars. Like you have this the same battery in the Tesla that you have on the Pro. Will that give you an idea? Um, mm -hmm. And you have a computer controlling the battery, which is our smart BMS. Usually you just have a BMS, which is battery, battery management system. Now it's smart, so we can stream that data to the app and get diagnostic and just your battery is going to last longer. Basically, uh, the region break, you have the selfie link tires, uh, all the crazy light around it. And obviously, well, the best service in the industry with uh, with Apollo. So those are, I guess, just the top of what you're mm -hmm. you're going to get with the Pro, but and, they're all expensive to do. And, and we, we had spoken earlier Oh, and I've just lost my lights. I need to reset. There's a timer <laughs> on these lights here. Well, anyway, I'll jump in then. So I think it's really interesting. We we do notice trends at Electric Scooter Guide with just seeing the whole market, how prices, we see that there's still kind of that budget, give it to me as cheap as possible that exists. But we are seeing customers get their cheap scooter and be like, okay, this works for my lifestyle. Now I need to upgrade. And so there's that. And then there's also, you know, Mac, you, you like horse, did you just like I do? And so talking about jobs to be done, we also can think of um, the the market for miles. And so we've got the one mile trips. And then with something like the pro, you're starting to eat up those two, three, four, and you're just increasing and it starts to replace more of your car trips. And it starts to make a lot of economical sense as that experience is nice enough that you keep finding mm -hmm. yourself taking your scooter more and more. And people view these as more as a true vehicle as opposed to a, a uh, nice recreational fun. Oh, look, I got a scooter. That's right. And, you know, we, we, we survey our customers pretty, pretty actively just to keep a pulse on um, what are they using our scooters for. And what's interesting is at the beginning of the, of the business, you know, when we were selling the original Apollo Pro, 
our, our main use case was recreation. People were buying our scooters in lieu of a, of a mountain bike or something that they could just go out on the weekend on and, and have a good time. Um, today, we're seeing uh, something like 65% of our customers buying scooters for commuting, and that applies to mm -hmm. high performance scooters as well, which, uh, you know, is that combined with another stat, which is that 78% of our customers replace their cars with a scooter tells me that, you know, what you just said, which is that we're, we're kind of eating into this market for, for drivers, essentially, uh, and we're really starting to compete with cars and, and maybe, you know, public transit um, as, as, modes of, as modes, of, modes of transportation. That's, uh, that's, that's very reassuring. And that's exactly what we want to see, um, because our, our, our ultimate goal is to, to get to a place where we've um, taken off a significant number of cars of the streets. Uh, and we sort of look at it by uh, by mileage. So, so our goal, if anyone's curious, it's to put one billion kilometers on the fall of vehicles by 2030. Mm. And uh, and really how we get there is by starting with sort of the, the worst offenders who are currently people that uh, that tend to take the car and uh, and see it as the one solution for all use cases. So whether I'm going to the grocery store by myself, whether I'm driving a family of five, I'm going to take my car regardless. Mm. And um, and it's on us to provide them with different alternatives and, and really educate them on, on the benefits of having multiple vehicles for multiple use cases. That's an awesome KPI to be mark, you know, tracking yourself on kilometers ridden as opposed to units sold. That just says a lot about the identity of the company that you don't just want scooters out the door, but you want people using them and it, it transforming their life. Also, like we've been testing the pro throughout the week and we're just that unibody design really is so striking in person. It's unbelievable. And we are working right now about capturing that in a thumbnail and in the video, just how unique it is in the scope of every product to ever be seen in micromobility. Elwa, Elwa said something really interesting when he first started developing the Pro, which was that um, Segway was sort of like the Microsoft uh, laptops, you know, very, very plasticky, a lot of uh, nice looking from a distance, but sort of when you get up close, you start to knock on it, pick it up. It, it, the weight's off, it's too light, or maybe it makes a hollow sound when you knock on it. And you sort of start to realize that, that the quality of finishes just isn't there. Um, and he was, I remember he, he kind of had this phrase that the Pro has to be like the MacBook Pro. Mm -hmm. um, to the point where I think our, our you know, manufacturing uh, facility in China was just like, yes, yes, it'll be like the MacBook, don't worry about it. <laughs> it was sort of like their mantra, you know, and and he did it. It's it's There's no plastic on the whole scooter, which is ridiculous for a number of, of reasons. Uh, but one of the main benefits of that approach is that, like you said, there is absolutely no cables, there is no screws. The whole thing is integrated and it's so incredibly strong and robust to the touch um, that it just, uh, you know, the same way you touch your computer and there is that, you know, edginess to it. There's that that weight to it. You, you just feel the quality of the product when you when you interact with it. it. It's so funny that you're talking about you know like PCs and and, and these things because we did actually we did, we did a review of the G30 LP, the Segway G30 LP, and there's a shot in that in that review where it's we parked it next to an office printer and they just blend <laughs> so nicely together. And 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 then in contrast to that, this is literally the first time when I've been, no matter how not vain you are, you know, you're driving around in a nice car, you know, every now and then you're kind of like, are people looking at me? And <laughs> this is the first time riding the Apollo Pro Rides, the first time I've ever ridden an electric scooter and, and been like, are they checking me out? Because I think they might be checking me out because this thing, I would check me out if I were riding this scooter. So it's just such a cool looking scooter. I mean, it really is, it draws attention. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's, it's been a, an absolutely, you know, crazy project for, for a while. Um, and I'd love to hear a lot like as well, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on some of the reliability and, and quality control um, aspects with, with the Pro? Because I think, you know, it's, it's a leap technologically for us, but it's also a leap in, in the reliability of the product in many cases. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's the thing. I guess that people don't really see when, uh, like, all the, the the product is like the, the thing that you said at the end that is super flashy. But to get to this stage is, uh, yeah, we well, as people know, we had to open our own factory, our own assembly line to to achieve that level of a uh, consistency and quality. Um, and we just went so deep about making all. So usually, how it works. You go order a scooter from a factory and they take care of the QC, they take care of like the assembly step as well. Um, and you just hope that it's going to work. That's what we did for the Phantom V1. Uh, for the Pro, it's us making every single step of the assembly uh, in such a clear way. It's like uh, reading a book, you know, it's on every workstation with clear picture, with a torque, with the color of the Loctite you need to use for every single screw on the scooter. There's not a lot, but you know, inside it still needs to be placed and assembled correctly. Um, and we go as deep as going to every sub supplier, which is the people supplying every parts, like the tire and everything, and do the same thing for their QC as well. So there's so many layers of QC like this um, that that's how we can achieve the, something great like this. Um, this is more for assembly and for testing. There's the, the bit of user that we're going to talk in a bit, but also even all the rig testing. So one thing that we really want to do with the Pro and the Explore and the Light, all the new models, is to claim that it's being tested for 10,000 kilometers. Um, so we have a big chart uh, with the engineering department that we say, OK, per 10,000 kilometers, maybe the, the stem is going to be shaked 300,000 times. So we, we have this for the throttle, for the stem, for well, for every uh, component, even the kickstand, opening it and closing it. Um, and we put it, put it on the rig and we make sure that all those components will last for that long. Um, so you're buying a scooter that's because of the battery, because of the controller, and because of the frame and how it was tested, it's going to last for really years to come. Yeah, so moving on, and you are talking about reliability. You know, we have conversations with just about every scooter company in the world. We've also, we also see things across brands and we're also really deeply connected with the community and we're checking every comment on everything. We've got uh, the big subreddit, uh, you know, largest Facebook group, and we have that big connection. That's one thing that's unique about Apollo too, is that, you know, C-level executives are just jumping in the comments and always have been from the beginning. But one thing we saw as a theme through 2022 across many brands, but Apollo especially, well, Apollo notably i'll say is that just scaling up is just really hard for one like it's expensive you know formerly i was at unagi and it's just it's really expensive to be shipping things one direction and back with heavy heavy products lithium batteries the whole box scenario and so it's it's expensive for one and it's also doesn't benefit from the existing bike infrastructure very much and how people can repair things and so you know you had talked to us a little bit on a former call about how you were kind of thinking about scaling in 2022 and how you're thinking about in 2023. So I'd love to give the chance to talk about that. Yeah, uh, you know, 2022 was in many ways the perfect storm for Apollo. Um, and what I mean by that is that it it was basically a, a kind of intersection of um, explosive growth that we were totally unequipped for. Um, as well as a, a product that we put a lot of uh, weight and importance on um, that turned out to have a, a handful of issues. Um, and so you sort of, it was sort of like adding fuel to the fire uh, throughout the season, you know. Uh, and I think in many ways, uh, as I mentioned before, we're not an externally backed company. We, we, we desperately rely on cash flow to be able to finance the growth and the investment in, in the long-term initiatives that we're working on. 
Um, and I think a lot of that mindset played into how we approached 2022, for example, by launching the city as early as we did in March. And then for a number of reasons, only being able to deliver it in, in September, you know, that basically created, uh, you know, five months, uh, six months almost of, of constant back and forth with, at some point, thousands of customers that were waiting for their products that they paid for, you know, so just think about that kind of unnecessary burden on, on customer experience, on the amount of fulfillment we had to do every single time we wanted to ship a spare part, you know, um, never mind what happened when, when we realized there was, uh, there was a throttle issue at one point, um, which, which by the way, you know, for full disclosure, we, we basically proceeded with all the legal and, and safety requirements to make sure that we handled it properly. And, um, and in the end we, we did, and we stood by our product and we supported our customers. Um, but it was an incredibly challenging year for, for all the support teams. Um, and I think we, we also learned a lot about, um, taking things slow. So, so I would say all in all, um, it, it was a year that left us very humbled, um, and, and with a lot of learnings. Um, but it's been really, really great to see how the team reacted to that pressure. So rather than crumbling, uh, I think the team, um, became a bit of a, you know, what's that expression where, when there's enough pressure, you can, you see a diamond or something form. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know how that goes, but basically, you know, not to be uh, kind of cheesy, but, but I think the team became stronger and they left uh, that experience with a lot of ideas on how to do better in the future. And a prime example of that is the, is the beta program. So like Alwa said, not only are we going to extreme lengths to make sure that the product quality is, is what it's supposed to be, you know, even from the design uh, side of things that FEA analysis, all the kind of uh, engineering, uh, you know, checkboxes have been checked. Uh, we've worked with external companies that have audited our factories, our designs, um, to make sure that it's it's proper and it's safe, we've uh, we've worked with. Um, we're now starting to to uh, go into the beta testing program, which is quite amazing too. Um, so basically, rather than taking a finished product and starting to sell it, we're purposely delaying the launch by another six months to to give a chance to 100 writers, 130 writers, uh, to put some mileage on it. What we consider a finished, a market ready product, um, and we're we're only doing this to get additional feedback and make sure that the product that that launches is 110 percent. Uh, what it needs to be in order to meet our, our internal and external requirements from a safety and reliability perspective. And, and I just, I just love that. So you're taking like probably the most, I mean, we can anticipate based on the way it's built, probably the most reliable scooter you've ever designed and, and built. And then you're taking this new launch approach where you, you get a hundred beta testers and then you get them all to ride the scooter 500 miles as part of the deal and then give you feedback, uh, which is amazing. Cause just yesterday, literally on the, our Facebook group where somebody was saying, uh, you know, Hey Paul at ESG, I would love it if you guys would do 500 mile, um, of reviews of scooters, like ride the 500 miles and tell us how it went. And I was like, gosh, I would love to do that too. But you know, we're always moving on to the next and the next and the next scooter. And then it's like, oh my gosh, Apollo is doing this a hundred times with their, with their beta test program. So it's actually kind of amazing, you know, amazing the timing of that, that question coming up yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, and, and before we even get into the beta, I think a lot, maybe, you know, how many miles have we put on the rigs on the, on the scooters that we've been testing? Well, it's, the actual rig we are at ten thousand, but I think the most the most interesting part is like all the um, the stress like uh, a cycle that we're doing, you know. So mm -hmm. like I said, the the throttle is five hundred thousand time uh, for the city. Just for comparison, it was a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. So five five times that, um, and the industry standard is a hundred thousand. Uh, the stem we put three hundred and fifty thousand cycle of push and pull with eighty kilos, which is 
ridiculous. It's way too much. Yeah. Um, the, like, and the industry standard is like 50,000. Um, so, and it's like this for every component. The, the motors are tested for 10,000 kilometers. The, the controller, the, the, the test sheet that we have is ridiculous. It's like need to work in minus 25. It need to work in a 60 degree Celsius. It's, uh, it's salt water, it's, they put it underwater, it's everything you can imagine for torture tests. Um, and imagine even the kickstand is tested like this. Everything is yeah, so extremely uh, deep tested. And the reason why we are doing all of this is for the city when we launched it, you know, I truly believe that I did everything right to, to, to have the perfect product. And I, obviously there was some challenge at the beginning. So that's why for the pro, we just, I'm like, we're not taking any chance. We're going over and above and we ought to learn what we don't know yet. Um, so that, that's the main yeah. reason why. And, and so you mentioned water. One of my favorite specs of the the Apollo Pro is that it's uh, got a water resistance rating, you know, of IP66, which is, it'll be the highest in our database of anything you can currently buy. I mean, there's the boosted rev with 67, but it doesn't exist anymore. Can't buy it. So. Yeah, I, I think mean, it's you, a pretty compelling uh, uh, certification to have. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Yeah. And, and really that and the stuff you're doing with the smart BMS, it's, it's really, you know, Chase mentioned vehicle grade earlier, but that, it really, you know, I do feel it we're like we're coming around to like, these are real vehicles and, and it's sort of like back in 1995 cars, you know, now everybody takes for granted that you can plug in a scanner and find out immediately, you know, what's going on with your car. I mean, nobody's done that for scooters yet, but with, with the smart BMS and with your app and, and all your firmware, you're that's where we're going with the Apollo Pro is like we're, we're entering this new era where it's kind of like scan tool is going to tell you what's going on with your scooter. And, and that's one of those things that's hard for people to appreciate when they're mm -hmm. when they're getting ready to spend their money um, that that's in there. Uh, and it's hard to see the value of it until you need it later on. But I'm just so stoked you guys have made the investment there. Yeah. And, you know, the, the app is an interesting example of a support tool because that's not how we viewed it initially, but over time, I think it's 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 become clear that it's it's probably the most effective support tool we, we have available. Um, mm -hmm. From the moment you unbox your scooter, the first thing you're gonna do is is download the app and watch the setup guide, right? And you actually have a step by step experience, minimizing any potential mistakes or errors that could happen within the first, let's say, ten or fifteen minutes of ownership, right? Mm -hmm. Immediately, we can push a firmware upgrade, a software upgrade, make sure that you have access to the latest technology. Any bugs that may have previously existed have been resolved. Um, and then, you know, in the event that you do see an issue with your scooter, um, one of the really, really interesting initiatives where we're testing right now internally is, is video support calls, because as, as I'm sure you guys know, um, servicing scooters is, is a difficult and, and sort of remains an, an unsolved problem in many cases. You know, bike shops don't want to touch them for liability reasons. Um, and there hasn't really been a big enough player that's come in and, and set up a, a scooter servicing center in every major city in, in America yet. Um, and we, we sort of you know, realize that actually a lot of these repairs are, are fairly basic. I mean, especially with the with the considerations that what is, is making right now, you know, everything's plug and play. Um, so it's probably just a question of a few screws, unplugging a cable and then plugging something else back in and putting the screws back on. You know, it's it's a repair that even myself, as someone who's not very technical, could could handle with the right supervision and guidance. And so enter video support calls, you know, all of a sudden you're, you, you could be in a remote area as long as you have the spare parts, we're able to guide you through the repair process and, and get you back on the road in a matter of hours. Um, as opposed to having to deal with shipping of the scooters, you know, replacing them, should shipping back. Um, obviously, that that's cost. It, it creates, uh, you know, externalities of, of other kinds as well. So we're really excited at sort of the, the full suite of improvements that's happening at the same time, both on the hardware front, the software front, but also the, the service front. Yeah, and kind of wrapping up this conversation, so kind of continuing on 
care and, and support and stuff, you had something that we've heard about called Apollo Care, I believe it was. And so I'd love to hear kind of your your vision for that and what that's going to look like in 2023. I'd never heard about the video calls. That's really interesting. Yeah, so Apollo Care is, is really um, sort of an, an end goal for us where we see scooter ownership being focused on owning and riding the scooter, not fixing your scooter. And, uh, and, and the best way of getting there, in, in our opinion, is through uh, what we would consider this um, this package service. Um, and, and it, we're still working out exactly what it will include, um, but we're, we're starting to formalize the, the product offering. And it's, it's shaping up to look like uh, essentially a form of extended warranty, um, a way of, of getting remote support, which is quite exciting as well, um, as well as uh, increasingly features like premium connectivity. So like previously mentioned, you know, the pro will have access to, uh, to a SIM card inside of the scooter, which all of a sudden opens up doors to potential um, anti-theft features down the road as well. So it's, it's no longer just about reliability and, and making sure your scooter works fine and, you know, having support when, when you need it. Um, but it's also about kind of taking preventative steps to uh, make sure your scooter doesn't get stolen, but also taking advantage of things like preventative maintenance at our repair centers and whatnot. So it's sort of a full suite uh, of, of services that are designed to uh, make it um, as, as smooth and as easy as possible for you to get to that 10,000 kilometer mark that we're designing all of our scooters to last for without any issues. Yeah. And so you just launched a new subreddit, right? And so you've, you've already had the Facebook group, which is relatively unique. We've only seen a couple companies do that. So like how, how can your customers connect with you in 2023? Uh, the short answer is, is anywhere. Uh, we, one of the improvements we've made since last year is, is we've um, staffed our customer support team um, accordingly to, to the demand or rather to where the demand is coming from, um, you know, so, so last year we were pretty focused on just basically surviving, <laughs> which, which meant focusing on email support. Uh, today we're in a position where we are accepting phone calls, we're accepting chats, we're accepting um, SMS support, uh, but also we have a team actively monitoring social media channels. So if you want to drop us a DM on, on Instagram, get engaged on our, on our Apollo Reddit, uh, which is Red Apollo official or our Facebook group, uh, you're absolutely welcome to. One thing we're also playing uh, with right now is launching a a Slack channel for our sort of core community members. Um, so people that are really, really interested about, you know, um, in upcoming product releases, or maybe want to be part of the, 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 the inner news uh, kind of circle, um, they'll be able to gain direct access to someone like Elwa, gain access to someone like myself, uh, be able to offer feedback and actually influence product development and some of the decisions we make internally. Um, so that's something that's going to be rolling out in the next couple of weeks as well, which is really exciting. Interesting. And that will, would that have some parallels with the beta program? Yeah, so, so a bit less um, hardware focused, but definitely um, able to to kind of solicit feedback from that group of customers when it comes to design choices or maybe, you know, software feedback or maybe decisions we're making internally about policies and stuff like that. So whenever we, we think we require customer input and feedback, we would want to lean on that um, sort of non-hardware beta testing program. Sweet. And so like two final questions as we wrap up, uh, they're both kind of fun. So one is kind of just like, you know, we saw the pro announced at Amsterdam, you know, in you know mid 2022. And now ESG's got one. We've been testing it. We can't wait to release. We've already released the unboxing impressions that you can check out in the reviews about to come out. It might be out by the time this is released. And so kind of what does that path to full launch look like for the pro now? And also, and one other thing is I'd be interested to hear about any like how the pro has changed since Amsterdam as well. Um, 
So the what remains to be done before we launch? Uh, well, the, the beta group is going to add three batches. Um, so we're going to send 50, let's say 30 units. We're going to wait a month for people to collect feedback, then ship the other 30, and then the last 30. Uh, and we're going to wait a month before each of them. And in the meantime, make uh, amendment to the mold, for example, or every feedback that we're going to get. And then uh, we're going to modify those mold. And uh, after that, we are pretty much uh, ready to launch uh, the full production. Uh, right now, we are aiming for somewhere around September, October for production. Um, and that's probably going to take a month. Then you have another good month on the, on the sea, a month and a half uh, for delivery towards uh, the end of the year. Um, so pretty straightforward. Uh, there's some nice things that we still need to reveal with the V6. So just FYI, the one that Paul have is the V5 of the Pro. The, the, the beta is going to be the V6, and the production is going to be the V7. But between the V6 and the V7, it's going to be the, the exact same thing. But we still have some exciting news, I guess, to share about it. And we hmm. still need to to show the whole headset, right? Right now, we cannot show mm -hmm. it because we are under NDA with some partners. Uh, but that's the most beautiful part of the scooter, and we can't show it yet. So really excited about this. And uh, and yeah, that that's what remains to be done. Uh, what was your second question? Oh, well, the kind of closing up, um, well, we're talking about terminology, you know, you're calling this the hyper scooter, right? And so we also saw Segway come out with the GT2, call it a super scooter. Historically, you know, Paul kind of had this term that we've been using kind of just be scooter when you start to talk about a Nami or a Cabo or when you're starting to dish out 3K plus, you know, and so kind of how are you thinking about that terminology and then kind of also wrapping up this with kind of the very optimistic future view. Like, I guess um, one thing that's really clear to me is with everything that you've been doing, you're thinking five years in the future uh, for whether it's an investment, it's in software, or, you know, you do have a little bit of margin in your products. And that's like, it's it makes it for, for it makes it a little bit less competitive something that's a little bit cheaper but the people that are going with you are hopefully also you know experiencing software better service integrated design and things like that so how you know that hyper scooter super scooter and just the the future of and the aspirations of the industry um how are you seeing that i would say it's interesting that you've pointed out um that Segway launched their scooter and, and called it a super scooter. Um, you know, we obviously take a lot of inspiration from Segway as a company. Um, I think 50% of our customers report that they actually compare Apollo to Segway when they shop for scooters, uh, which to us is, is a really, really flattering statement, all things considered, because like I said, you know, Segway is a billion dollar company and, and we're very far from that. Um, so, so we take that with great pride and, and distinction. Um, I think what people are buying when they buy an Apollo scooter at the end of the day is, is the late nights at the office um, mm. from Elwa and his team. It's the fact that we have people who just care enough to log in on the weekends and answer uh, you know, customer posts on Reddit. It's, uh, it's blood, sweat and tears uh, from a group of 40, 50 people that just ultimately give a lot more shits than Segway ever will about the products they make. And you know, I say this having never been to a Segway office or met anyone from Segway, uh, but I can guarantee you that you don't age this much in four years, unless you really, really care about what you do. Um, and uh, and I think at the end of the day, you know, we, we've gotten a lot of heat over the last year as a result of the um, the growth um, that, that, that came really, really rapidly. Uh, but we remain more committed than ever to to making the best possible electric scooters in the world. Uh, we have a vision, a really, really strong vision driven by Alois 
for what those three products will look like and, and what kind of an experience they will offer. Um, and this is coupled with a really powerful um, and, and motivated team of software developers and, and operations managers and, you know, our marketing team that are working in unison to bring this experience to life. Um, so what do we think about the industry moving forward? I think um, at the end of the day, the distribution models will change. We think the marketing will change, but I think the one thing that will remain constant is, is the need for an amazing, amazing product. Um, and that's, that's what we stay relentlessly focused on. Yeah, I mean, that's such a good response. I, I, I'm tempted to just end on that, but I, I don't know. I feel like I asked the question about hyper and so super, so we should have a little bit of a, a, oh, a quick brainstorm on that. So, oh, no, it's away. nothing at all. So, Paul, Paul, what, let's let's kick it over to you. How are yeah, you so, thinking about the terminology? Yeah, so Beast Scooter that actually predated my arrival at ESG. That term, you know, was, was already around, but that was anything that was like over 100 pounds and 11 inch tires. And, and really, you know, as I'm preparing for the review of the Apollo Pro, it occurs to me that it's really in a category of one. It's It doesn't have 11-inch tires. It's not over 100 pounds, um, but it's not an Apollo Phantom either. And it's just sort of, it's 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 on its own. It's a, really almost deserves its own category name. And so um, so where did, you know, hyperscooter come from? And, and what's the thought behind, <laughs> what's the thought behind calling it a hyperscooter? I, I don't want to disappoint you, but to be honest, it was just kind of a <laughs> that worked. We were, I think we were like getting ready for Amsterdam. Well, do you remember? Yeah. We were like, what do you call this scooter? I guess, I guess hyper scooter makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think there was like any, any special story to it um, yeah. beyond, beyond us just wanting to make a statement about the scooter being mm-hmm. different for all the reasons we just mentioned. And I yeah, think- Paul and I were just on a call and we were kind of thinking about this and I, I think you know, some developments have come because like the GT2, you know, was one of them. If, if, you, if you look at the automotive market, I mean, it's like really the two markets that have the most parallels with micromobility are smartphones and then automotive. And so in automotive, we have hypercars and we've got supercars. And when you say hypercar, you're kind of expecting more Koenigsegg or a Pagani or something like that. And so, uh, but I, I feel like if, if I were personally going to, um, make a distinction we were kind of talking about this and thinking that hyper we we see that as like more rion will rest in peace for how many units they've actually delivered to the world on (laughs) on any reasonable timeline whatsoever um but like that's kind of to where we would see this is not quite production product this is more just like for the absurdity and the enthusiast and then the emove roadster has been talked about for a while that's would be starting to kind of be on the line of both with just kind of like the absurd performance but then also still being production but where we see the pro might be kind of just a really strong you know super scooter where you're more like ferrari or something like that i don't know (laughs) that's kind of roughly how we're thinking elwal what do you think I guess it depends on uh, who's naming it because like the debate online is, well, it's a 52 volt scooter. It's not a 60 volt or 72 volt. So it's not going a hundred kilometers an hour. So of course it's not an hyper scooter, but I think it depends of what, what is your like goal and what you're chasing for us. Like we said, we want uh, features, want the safety, want the quality, uh, the build quality too. So for us, I think we are offering, I think we're the company that offers the highest quality features in their scooter. We have the probably the best turning signal, the best lights, um, again, the, the 12 inch, everything, right? The IoT, everything is so well integrated that yes, I would call this an hyper scooter. And, and let alone like the, the NAMI and everything, like 
at the end of the day, it's still a scooter that goes to, well, 70 kilometers an hour. Like, yes, it's an hyper scooter, you know, compared to a Xiaomi or Segway, it is mm -hmm. a hyper scooter. So, um, yeah, I don't really care about the name, how we call it. It's just a, a dope scooter. And a, that's what I like. You know, we always, we always considered ourselves more of an Audi of scooters, um, because like Allah said, the Pro is not the fastest scooter ever made. It's not the scooter with the most range ever made. It's probably not the most comfortable scooter ever made. But is it very good at all of the above? Yes. So we sort of are the sweet spot of being ultra versatile and very well suited for a number of different jobs as a product uh, without necessarily being overkill in, in any one of these categories in particular. So you kind of get the comfort check, you know, you get the speed check, you get the range check, you get the feature check. So we like to think of it as a very balanced and and, and ultimately a, a product that offers an exceptional riding experience. That's sort of our measure of success there more than any specific metric in, in particular. Yeah. Well, anyway, that, that's a really great place to end. Just, I, I'm so excited about the pro line and ultimately regarding terminology, it's going to come down to the people, <laughs> you know, the people who are riding this thing and what terms just emerge. And, you know, it's definitely a hyper scooter in the market. Well, maybe we'll put that in the video. I don't know. I mean, we'll put it in some way, but yeah, just thank you so much for taking the time to join us. This will not be the last time that you hear from Paul on this podcast for sure. And we're just, we're so excited to finally have this podcast kind of a re reimagining of what was formerly the live show to just be creating more of this content of direct, uh, you know, connection with the core industry shapers. So thank you again. Thank, thank you very much, guys. Thank you so much for sticking around for this episode with Apollo Scooters. We've had such a great time. I know Paul and I had a great time and learned a lot and this is just making us so excited about the space. So just a quick reminder, we've got that giveaway. So definitely enter for that $500 Apollo gift card. Very generous of them to offer that. It's really easy to enter. Just hit the link in the description. You know, as we're trying to get this podcast off the ground, it's really important that we get those subscriptions and the, you know, the the reviews and all that stuff. It's the only way that people can find the podcast. So please check those out. Thanks for watching. And we will see you next week. We are uploading every week, at least we might even have more if we just get a, a ton of recordings. We'll just, you know, upload even faster. So see you next week.